for security? There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Thursday, February 15th, 2024. This is episode number 558 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jerry Ozier, coming in hot, baby. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, LaGrotte, Space Tacos, Sakana Disease, Gary Sergiata, Senfilis, John Brock, Marcus Kyler of the Yeet Crew, Leon Elliott, Kenya, AD, Dream Logic, folks over on LinkedIn, folks over on YouTube, squad members, first timers and long timers. We're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So, how can you apply this information to drive cyber risk reduction for your business stakeholders? Or if you're looking to break into the industry, we got great news for you, my friend. You're going to be asked in any job interview, how do you stay current on the industry? Right here, Daily Cyber Threat Free Podcast is a slam dunk answer. On top of that, two windows over. See that streaming flow of uh, goodness with Augusta Delgado and Nelson Yee and uh, Owned and Chinadu and Austin Carter? The networking here is phenomenal. When I say networking is important, it cannot be overstated networking is super hot so say hello to the simply cyber community hashtag team sc great to see everybody i am super pumped for the show today now before we get into it i do want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors who enable me to come up here every single day and be able to deliver these hot takes for you and quick programming note i do not prepare or research any of these stories i don't even know what stories are coming up i haven't thought about them so you're getting my raw initial impressions and thoughts on this. But let's talk about Barricade Cyber Solutions for a hot minute here. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks, whether it's ransomware, business email compromise, just your garden variety data breach, they can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Catch me outside, how about that? That's right. Eric Taylor and the crew over at Barricade Cyber will catch them outside. How about that? And yeet the threat actors out your environment. Come at me, bro. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in this description below. Also want to say much love to Panopsi. Team, I got to tell you, I will be connecting with Brandon about a uh, logo, an emote for the Panopsi crew. I know many of you have been asking for a Panopsi emote, so uh, it's coming, okay? Panopsi Security, get a partner who understands your cyber program and business goals, i.e. staff augmentation. If you need knowledge share, listen, 
nobody knows everything. Okay, in the industry, you gotta you gotta specialize somewhere, which means you gotta um, not be great in other areas. So if you need a little bit of help, it's not shameful. It's not shade worthy. Like, listen, I don't know how to run a tabletop exercise. I don't know how to run an enterprise risk assessment. I don't know how to evaluate MDRs. Like, if any of those things resonate with you, get expert advice if you try to go it alone and fake it till you make it you will be exposing your business and your stakeholders to undue risk you can't fake it till you make it in cybersecurity. the stakes are too high so maybe consider panopsi security to come in lend you a hand give you some guidance and get you on your way panopsi.com links in the description below also want to say shout out and love to anti-siphon training I do love them, and I got some updates for Wild West Hacking Fest for y'all, but more about that at the mid-roll. It is Thursday, which is Dan Reardon, a.k.a. Haircut Fish's Meme of the Week, so we'll be seeing that at the mid-roll. If this is your first episode of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief, if this is your first episode, while whether you're live, which is awesome, or you're on replay, give a hashtag first-timer in, in chat or in the comments Hashtag first timer if you're new here because we love, love welcoming our newcomers and letting them know that they are part of the community, even if it's your first day. We got a special sound effect, a special emote. We love welcoming our newcomers, don't we, Chad? It's awesome. All right, guys. Hey, every episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief, just like this one, is worth half a CPE. So be sure to say what's up in chat. Grab that screenshot and file it away when it comes time to do your um uh cpes for the year just count the number of five screenshots you took divide by two and you're off and running it should take you no more than 10 minutes once a year to document your cpes for whatever certifications you have all right it is thursday during the school year which means i will not be doing jaw jacking which is an ama segment at the end of the show from 9 to 9 30 because i have to boogie out of here to the citadel Mrs. Osher told me that there's traffic, which means I really got to get going. Um, so we will be joined. We got a new guest host. DJ BSEC is in the house, everybody. DJ BSEC will be jawjacking later today. So stay tuned for that. That's going to be good. As much as I love hanging out and doing the uh, high energy intros, we do have work to do. Wah, wah, wah. Cue the trombone. So do me a favor, sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds Percy! of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. I will see each of you at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. Hey, Kess. Kess, welcome These to the party, pal. Headline. We got our first first-timer. Kess is in the house. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. As I promised, first-timers, including Kess, we get your welcome to the party, pal sound effect, and you get your welcome to the party pal emote. There you go, Cass. Good to see you. For Thursday, February 15th, hey, Chris 2024, Young. I'm Rich Straffolino. Transnorthern Pipeline confirmed cyber attack. The Canadian pipeline operator disclosed it suffered a cyber attack in November 2023 after the ALF-V ransomware organization listed the firm as a victim on its leak site. Transnorthern said it knows of the claims and began looking into them specifically. The company characterized the breach as impacting a limited number of internal computer systems. Alfie claims it obtained 183 gigabytes of internal documents. Threat actor. All right. So here's the deal. Uh, uh, okay. Trans Northern Pipeline. Basically, it's what you think. It's a pipeline. It's a physical pipe 
that carries um, 220,000 barrels of refined petroleum products daily. It's basically a huge, um, it's a huge water slide, but instead of water and children, it's pumping fuel, right? We, we saw this, the colonial pipeline uh, running down the East Coast. Uh, there's the pipeline in Alaska, um, I, you know, ice road truckers uh, famously did. I figure what that, that, uh, that thing's called. I think it begins with a D. Uh, I've actually been there, which is kind of cool. I just, I, I forget what it's called. Um, anyways, I, I digress. Uh, another pipeline company gets hit. Alfie Ransomware is a top tier threat actor. Hey, Zamir Zakari Stiley. Welcome to the party. So check it out. Um, Alfie, you know, I say this all the time whenever it comes up. Lockbit, tier one. Alfie slash Black Cat, tier one. And then you've got other ones that are like tier two, tier three, et cetera. So if Alfie hits you, they got you, right? Now, they did say that it didn't impact kind of operations. We saw this very similarly with Colonial Pipeline. And it's important to note, when you see a company, like this is for people breaking into the industry. When you see a story like this, okay, it doesn't mean everything trans-Northern Pipeline is screwed. Not The whole company isn't screwed. The sales guy who's like on a flight, his computer's not screwed. Like the, the actual pipe pushing petroleum that's measuring and venting off stuff, not screwed. It's probably their IT infrastructure, maybe some systems. They did say in the story that it's like limited impact. There is operational technology, OT, and then there is information technology, IT. You and I normally talk about IT and we and we almost just assume it is IT, like whatever it is that we're talking about. But operational technology is often used in these type of systems, which is industrial control systems. It's a whole subset of our industry. And it's different than IT. So like when Alfie's malware detonates, it's probably detonating on Windows servers, operating systems. Most like ICS, SCADA systems, stuff like that, they're not running Windows, okay? They're running like either real-time operating systems, specialized operating, like it's just different. Doesn't mean you can't attack operational technology and industrial control systems and stuff. It's just, that's not the game that ransomware threat actors like Alfie are playing in. They're playing in straight up smash and grab, exhale data, punch you in the mouth, maybe encrypt your systems, although they're getting away from that. And, you know, just see who pays, right? It's a, it's a crime of opportunity. If you hit enough businesses, some of them are going to pay and you're going to get paid, right? Great cash, homie. So that's what's up. So anyways, this isn't a good look, right? Obviously, but you should not be like losing your marbles that like, oh, it's cold out. We're not going to get any petroleum. How are we going to fuel the trucks? Like it's, that's not what's happening here. Okay. So anyways, um, we'll see what kind of outcome this is. I said, Alfie is a legit uh, threat actor. So if they say they got your information, they definitely do. Um, this becomes a question for uh, Trans Northern Pipeline to to determine whether or not um I guess, frankly, if they want to pay to have the files not uh, leaked, but they probably won't. They'll probably just recover and move on and, and you know, see what happens. Uh, here is the uh, the leak uh, from their actual leak site. A lot of threat actors have leak sites, so you can publicly go validate, like kind of asynchronously validate that they do have your information in order to kind of like ratchet up the risk that you're having. Also, also, um, also, also want to... Um, just point out really quickly that if um, if you're looking to do tabletop exercises with your business, 
Uh, this right here is, you know, like a, a pretty good example. Like you could just say like, oh, you're hit with Alfie and they've like, you know, like don't even say the leak site. Like this is just like a quick little specific pro tip. But like if you do a tabletop exercise, which is basically you simulate through an incident and see like if everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing. And if Johnny, who's like the junior analyst, um, knows how to like do recover for backups because no, no, no. Kevin always does that. Well, guess what? Kevin's on vacation now, Johnny. Like, can you do it? Yes or no? No. All right. We got a gap. Save the leak site uh, publishing as an injection in your tabletop exercise. So start executing, executing, and then be like, hold on, everybody. We just got noticed from the threat actor that they have published to a leak site um, some subset of information, right? Like, like, let's say like 200 records or whatever. I don't know. Use that as an injection to uh, facilitate deeper discussion and more meaningful tabletop exercises. Using LLMs to improve cyber attacks. Yeah. Microsoft and OpenAI released a report detailing these efforts with threat actors seen using ChatGPT and other services to improve scripts, perform research on victims, and refine social engineering approaches. The report found interest in the tools popular across a wide spectrum of threat groups seen in use by state-affiliated groups from Russia, North Korea, Iran, and China. While the groups continue to experiment with the tools, Microsoft says it hasn't seen any significant attacks using them yet. Microsoft also warned about future AI use cases, specifically attacks using AI voice impersonation. All right. So interestingly, uh, or I think it's interesting, I'm actually giving a talk in April. Yeah, I'm giving a talk in April in Colombia um, on AI, and it's specifically around the risk of AI um, to healthcare organizations, but, um, I have been doing a lot of research on this. Yes, dude, you can trick chat GPT into like helping you. You can trick, um, Gemini and stuff to like, you know, basically help you discover software vulnerabilities, help you write malware right now. They have guardrails in place, but that doesn't mean that you can't circumvent them or get around them. Right. You know, insert prompt injection, right? AI sucks the oxygen out of all the room. There's no question nation, nation state backed groups are going to use AI. Here's the TLDR guys. It's like saying like, it's like going back 20 years ago, like 2004 and being like nation state threat actors, hackers are using the internet to improve cyber attacks. No kidding, dude, AI, the genie's out the bottle, the toothpaste is out the tube, like whatever metaphor or analogy you want to use it's not it's out and it's go, it's here we live in the ai age so guess what law enforcement's going to use ai teachers are going to use ai two thumbs and all smiles is going to use ai and guess what threat actors criminals financially motivated um threat actors um organized crime they're all everybody if you have a pulse you're going to use AI to do whatever it is that is your mission. And if your mission is crime, guess what? AI is going to help you commit crime. So this should come as no surprise to anyone. Now, one thing I do want to point out, there's no magic here, okay? Shall we play a game? There's no magic here. LLMs, or large language models, are basically the brain or the back end of AI agents, right? So ChatGPT, cool interface, bro. But really, the LLM behind it is what's making ChatGPT so cool, all right? So an LLM, if you think about it, an LLM is basically like you give it a ton of data, right? Like you train it on a ton of data, which is why they have to do snapshots. Sorry, uh, I'm just going to do a little more, you know, 
uh, allow me to um, engage in this for a hot minute. There is a there is a point at the end of this uh, diatribe here, but LLM, large language models, you basically train it on a series of data or corpus of data. You take a huge amount of data, right? Maybe it's un, um, un oh my god, what's the word I'm looking for? Unstructured, right? And you say, here's a ton of data. Learn on it. After you learn on the data, then you have it make some you know, guesses or make some decisions. And then it checks with the data to see if it's correct or not. If it's correct, it, you know, it plus ones and keeps moving in that direction. If it's wrong, it learns from that and says, don't do that again, right? A very simple example is watching, you can watch videos online, there's tons of them, but watching AI learn to run. You know, they drop them into the um, into the into the model or onto a racetrack, and the 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 AI is just like kind of stumble around, like they don't know how like their body works. And then eventually they learn that oh, I can stand up and fall forward. Oh, I can stand up and take a step. Oh, I can stand up and take quick steps. Oh, I can run. Oh, I can finish the race. Right. So that's a basically how LLMs work. Why why do I go down this long long road to tell you these things? Because, bro. If I'm a threat actor, like a really good one, like a nation state threat actor, right? Welcome to Threat Actor Academy again. I'm not using ChatGPT to commit my AI-assisted crime. I'm building my own LLM, which has no guardrails. I call it nefarious GBT or bad guy GPT or whatever. I, I, I unlock the potential of malicious AI by not putting guardrails in and spin up my own LLM. I would not be surprised. I know we've seen Worm GPT and some others. I wouldn't be surprised if in two years time, okay, like Mark Tape, this is kind of a deep, a deep guess. This is going to be my guess for the end of 2024 for like what to expect in 25. Mark my words. There will be a threat actor service as a, um, like there'll be basically a malicious AI as a service that has no guardrails on it that can help you write malware, that can help you dump code in and find software vulnerabilities that can help you um, understand how to run a ransomware threat operation. And it'll be on the dark web. It'll be for sale. And like, it'll be a service, right? I, I mark my words. Like, I don't know why there wouldn't be. You can train your own LLMs. AI is here to stay and threat actors like crime and they like to be able to do it faster, stronger, more efficiently. So what? there's a market there. I just, there you go. Take, take my business. All right. Email provider published internal emails in plain text. Security researcher Brian Cret. Okay, I'm I'm just getting this from Casually Joseph that there already is there already is a um there already is an AI malicious threat actor as a service service that you can buy into. Uh, I heard it according to Casually Joseph, it's not awesome, but it does exist. So look for that to be improved over time. I'm not surprised. Okay, obviously detailed that the Securance email service from the regional ISP U.S. Internet Corp. published these plain text emails for decades. The security firm Hold Security initially found the exposed emails available on a public link with over 6,500 domain names. Some domains held emails going as far back as 2008. Securance customers included dozens of state and local governments. Within minutes of notification from Krebs, U.S. Internet secured access to the published inboxes. No word on how long the company exposed the trove of emails. Oh, my God. Bro, bro, chop. What a mess. Okay, so check it out. Way to go. Like, so Krebs on security. 
Uh, people have different opinions. I, I've always found his reporting to be interesting. I don't know him personally, so I don't know if he's a good guy or not. But, um, you know, if he, he's got a you know pretty reputable blog around this stuff. So here's the thing. This this is such a uh, like ir ironic. So there's a company called uh, U.S. Internet Corp that offers uh, through their subsidiary Securance offers secure email services, filtered secure email services, and their emails were all publicly accessible. <laughs> um, so not good. And then Krebs notified them. They instantly um, configured it. So this sounds like, unfortunately, Carl. Okay. So for those who don't know, Carl is basically an avatar that I use to represent end users. It's just a general end user, a general person. It's not anybody specific. Um, it seems very likely that somebody could have been a senior engineer, could have been a junior analyst, could have been a third-party contractor accidentally um, flipped the switch that said, open the internet, yes or no, ding, open the internet. Maybe they stumbled over it and hit it. Maybe they were trying to troubleshoot and uh, you know got it to work, obviously by opening it to the internet. The problem is it was exposed. Now, the good news is that Krebs notified them. So kind of a white hack, uh, a white hat or righteous security researcher notified them and they immediately fixed that. So first of all, Way to go, uh, U.S. Internet Corp. or whatever. Like, way to way to respond. I mean, awesome. I I sure as hell. Sorry, Kennedy. I sure would respond that quick too. Again, this is a trivial thing to fix in most instances. You just turn it off from the internet. Now, if it's hooked into some, you know, complicated web application and you break that, that's a that's a different set of problems. But they fixed the problem. The one thing that they said though is they don't know how long it was open. They don't know if anyone's pulled down. This is why you need good audit logging um, on, on your web server, basically, to see what resources are accessed, what IP addresses accessed it, when did they access it, where did they pull it, did they download anything? The crappy thing here is, um, you, okay, so they said that um, the feedback from my team was it was an issue with an Ansible playbook that controls the Nginx uh, config for IMAP servers. Uh, noting that an incorrect config was placed by a former employee never caught. So this is what I'm saying. Again, I don't prep a research, but this is what happened. Somebody who used to work there, which doesn't even matter whether they used to work there or not work there, somebody misconfigured it and put it in a playbook, which means uh, a playbook is like for automation orchestration. So basically every time they, they fire up and load out um, one of these IMAP servers, it was misconfigured to be internet facing. Again, Nginx, okay. Nginx is how you pronounce it. I've always said Nginx, but you know, this is what happens when you just read things uh, instead of um, hearing them. So yeah, misconfigured web server. Uh, basically, someone forgot to tie the back of the hospital gown, and you know, the 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 like the person standing at the front of the crowd saying like the you know like. Standing there, um, like, hey, everybody, we've got mail servers, and then like the cam, like the other, like that's the front camera, and then the camera uh, pans, switches to the back camera, and like my butt is just hanging out, and I'm like, we've got mail servers, and it's like, yeah, you're actually, it looks like you're fine, but you're actually exposed, so you might want to address that. 
FCC requires telco PII breach notifications. The U.S. Federal Communications Commission issued new rules requiring telecom and VoIP operators to issue breach notification to customers when a security incident involves personally identifiable information, its first update to breach disclosure rules since 2007. The FCC defines PII to include names, social security numbers, contact information, and biometrics. Up until now, the FCC only required notifications in cases where a breach impacted customer proprietary network information. And- all right. Um, <clears throat> I, I didn't catch all this story. Uh, Mod Chat is sing- sending me animated GIFs of uh, people with their butt hanging out. <laughs> um, you know, whatever. I love this. Um, power to the people. We're getting more and more. I mean, this doesn't help with privacy because basically if they're reporting a breach, it means that your privacy has been compromised. But I do appreciate um, the slow slog move that our country, the United States, has been moving towards as we get more and more, um, I guess, privacy laws and privacy-related legislation. The FCC is now requiring telecom and VoIP providers, so your AT&T, your Verizons, to notify people in the event of PII breaches. Here's the funny thing. They've got your phone number, right? They know how to get a hold of you. They literally provide you the phone number. So I'm being slightly tongue in cheek, but they know how to get a hold of you. Um, but just like every every single for-profit company, cash, they will follow the letter of the law. They'll walk right up to the edge of the law and do everything they can. But only like righteous companies are going to go above and beyond what is required them required from them from a regulatory perspective. These these um these companies, your AT&T's, your Verizons, they could have notified you without this FCC regulation coming into play if your uh, data had been breached, but they didn't have to. So guess what? That's not good for the old uh that's not good for the old balance sheet, you know what I mean? Straight cash, homie. So, uh, you know, you got to that's why we have regulations and legislation is to hold companies accountable and uh, make them uh, do these things. FCC, remember, is the um, basically the government agency that is the advocate for consumers. They, they make sure that we as consumers are protected from bad, for lack of a better term. So good. Let's get the mid-roll going. Now a word from our sponsor, Vanta. From dozens of spreadsheets and screenshots to fragmented tools and manual security reviews, managing the requirements for modern compliance and security programs is increasingly challenging. Vanta is the leading trust management platform that helps you centralize your efforts to establish trust and enable growth across your organization. Over 6,000 companies partner with Vanta to automate compliance, strengthen security posture, streamline security reviews, and reduce third-party risk. To learn more, go to vanta.com slash CISO and watch their three-minute product demo. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash CISO. All right. Hey, all our first-timers like Zamir and Kess and all of our long-timers like Marcus Kyler, Chris Young, Jesse Johnson. You know what we do at the mid-roll? Hey, 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 hey. Ooh. Welcome to the Simply Cyber Breakfast Club. Hey guys, it's the mid-roll. If you're getting value from the stream, holla, 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 hit that like button for a hot minute. And uh, basically, if you're on YouTube, if you hit the like button, it's very simple. It triggers the algorithm into going to tell other people searching for cybersecurity content what we're doing here, and it helps us grow the community. 
408 of us today on this Thursday morning kicking it. I love it. Good to see all of you. Uh, if we could get 200 likes, right, like kind of half the crowd, uh, see if we could get 50%, uh, I would genuinely appreciate it. It's a very simple way to say, thanks, Jerry. I like this content. Uh, shout out to the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber, Panopsi, and Anti-Siphon Training. I mentioned them before. If you know, you know, Anti-Siphon Training is disrupting the traditional training industry by providing high-quality, cutting-edge education to everyone, including you, regardless of financial position. They offer their students the opportunity to learn skills. More importantly, practice what is taught so you get that hands-on keyboard skill set, muscle memory, and really engage with the community. And that's what Black Hills and Anti-Siphon has done. They've built a community just like Team SC. And uh, there's a lot of overlap. I, you know, I identify as a member of the Black Hills Information Security community as well. I love the work they're doing. Don't sleep on this. Hey, Faraz Azari with the Super Chat. Just noticed her red badge. Love being part of the community. Thank you, Jerry. For everything you do. Can we just become best friends? Yep. My pleasure. Uh, hold on. I'm trying to like this, not report this. Cheapers, creepers. All right. Thank you so much, Faris. And uh, congrats on that red badging. Looks good on you. All right, guys. All right. Let's talk about the Oh, anti-siphon training links in the description below. Hey, listen. Uh, let's talk about the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. If you want to blow up your professional network like a boss... It's very simple. Go on LinkedIn, search for the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge and comment on the posts, but connect with the people who are posting in the comments. Jordan Brown, Jordan Brown, uh, Air Force guy, uh, you know, uh, fighter pilot, crew chief, pivoting into cybersecurity, getting ready to transition into civilian life. Um, great, great post. Go get it. It's important. You can build your community and get to know each other. Go on uh, LinkedIn and search for this hashtag. Believe me, five minutes a day, you're absolutely going to love it. Um, use the link from Nightbot, also an option. Hey, um, Jordan Brown, if you're in chat, I would love for you to tag somebody. We need a baton holder or someone to carry the baton of the Simply Cyber Community Challenge every day. Jordan Brown, please tag somebody. Head over to LinkedIn if you're the baton holder. Make your post just like Jordan did. Share your story. Let us know why you love um, cybersecurity or Simply Cyber or the community. Make sure to use the hashtag so people can find you. And tag me so I can amplify it, please. I see Jordan Brown ready to give it away. No problem, Jordan. We're happy to see you in chat. So if you want to take the baton... If you want to take the baton from Jordan, say what's up. Say you want it. There he is. Jordan's in chat. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Hey, Chris Rock. Good to see you guys. All right. So every single day of the week has a special um, event. Thursdays, what's your memes? If you're a Ted Lasso fan, then you know this. Uh, Haircut Fish has made a Jer Lasso. Wholesome, wholesome Jer Lasso. So thanks so much. Get your yeah. All right. Great mid-roll, everybody. Let's keep cranking and get ready to get through the second half of the show and get back to jawjacking, all right? We'll just have this uh, uh, brief, abrupt transition, and then we're good to go. Bumble Me Malware returns from the hive. 
The Bumblebee initial access loader first appeared in March 2022, finding popularity with threat actors for delivering payloads like info stealers and Trojans. In October 2023, it dropped off security researchers' radar. That changed this week, with Proofpoint releasing details on a new Bumblebee campaign underway against U.S. organizations. This new campaign shows a change in tactics, curiously using VBA macro-enabled documents to create a script in a Windows temporary directory. No word on what threat group is behind the campaign. All right. Um, okay, so a couple of things. Um, this is an initial loader called Bumblebee. Um, I, I get it that they're using the name Bumblebee. I wish, honestly, I, I get why the author, um, in this case, Elizabeth Montalbano, um, used a lot of tongue-in-cheek wording, uh, including Hive. I wish I wish they hadn't done that. It's a little confusing. You can see Threat Handscape Hive. Hive, it, there's a Hive ransomware threat actor group. They got disrupted and dismantled um, in the last six months by law enforcement, but obviously the threat actors behind it are probably going to resurface. So um, just th it, this is a personal pet peeve. Um, I feel like the word Hive has been you know, it's almost like a keyword in a programming language. Like you shouldn't use it unless you're talking about Hive, the ransomware threat actor group. All right, I digress. Um, hold on, like that's a little like that's a like light spice, like maybe a, a level four out of ten on the spicy scale. But anyways, let's actually talk about this. So Bumblebee's an initial access loader, uh, and it's used by multiple groups. So chances are it's for sale on the dark web as kind of like malware as a service. Um, an initial uh, access loader basically. You could get like a threat, you know, you trick somebody into um, installing it through phishing email or like a malvertising pop-up. Oh, hey, looks like you need to install this Chrome extension in order to access this, you know, PDF or whatever. Go ahead and load this. They load the Bumblebee um, malware and then it's lightweight. Typically think of it, you know, the movie, um, The Matrix, Okay. And mods, I don't even know if there's an animated GIF for this, but like the movie The Matrix, when like the 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 spaceship is flying around in real life, and then the um like the the hunter drone things that are like uh, they have like all the tentacles and they hook onto the side of the ship, and then they start using a laser beam to cut out like a hole, and then they use the arms to pry open, and then they go into the ship. That's basically what a uh, like a dropper malware or initial access loader does. It basically rips open the hull of your computer or of your business, proverbially speaking, and goes in there. But instead of continuing to like navigate around the ship looking to kill Neo, it turns around and sticks its arms back out into the outside and starts pulling down additional malware payloads because basically it it will possibly either disable anti-malware. It will. Um, you know, stand up um, like some type of, uh, you know, kind of hidden stealthiness uh, and then start pulling down payloads and executing those. And that's why it's very flexible because, you know, different threat actors have different goals. I want to install key loggers, but you want to steal bank credentials. Well, we've got two different missions, right? Well, that's fine because Bumblebee will serve both of us. It'll pull down the appropriate module depending on what we want. This is this is how the cyber threat actor criminal ecosystem works in 2024. So uh, TLDR, what I would say is um, uh, the attack vector uses PowerShell to download the DLL. Okay, so what I would say is classic um, defense in-depth strategies. Educate your end users not to fall for silly things. Cool. Also, um, make sure your EDR can catch the Bumblebee um, 
catch the bumblebee. I love it. Make sure your EDR solution can identify execution of this bumblebee malware. You could see um, on the blog post at Proofpoint, they have indicators of compromise. So you can go threat hunting in your environment. Um, guys, here's the deal. It's, it's classic, right? I don't care if it's bumblebee today or flaming donkey initial payload droppers tomorrow. It doesn't matter. Whenever you see like a dropper malware or initial infection, initial access, whatever it is, make sure you do the following things. One, educate your end users not to fall for silly things, right? That's just, you know, uh, ubiquitous. Two, get the IOCs of the, the, the malware or even better, go to a malware bazaar or a, um, uh, oh my God, virus underground, not virus underground, VX underground and download a copy of of Bumblebee or whatever uh, malware it is, right? By the way, only do this if you know what you're doing, okay? But if you don't know what you're doing, go take a class and learn. But like download it, detonate it in a controlled setting with your EDR uh, solution on it and see if your EDR stops it, detects it, does anything. If it just carves right through your EDR, no big deal. Well, then guess what? You have to do tuning on your EDR solution. You have to tune it and then rerun it and make sure it's detecting it. Then push that detection out to all your EDR agents, right, through a centralized console. Now you can at least know if you're getting hit from now going forward. However, you need to look backwards retrospectively as well. Start looking through your SIM logs. Look through your EDR logs. Look for any type of anomalies that would indicate compromise, right? Like, again, I don't care if it's Bumblebee today or Fizz Whiz Bang Gura malware tomorrow. It doesn't matter. The, the 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 practical workflow and the theory behind what I'm saying, you can rinse and repeat. Okay. There's other things you can do as well, but don't sleep. A lot of people, a lot of people who don't know what they're doing, with all due respect, will clean up the problem today and move forward. And they don't think to look back to see if they've been compromised or exposed. They're just like, oh no, I'm good. No bumblebee in here. No bumblebees. It's like, well, actually the bumblebee was in there last week and they're already doing. You won't get any new infections of bumblebee, my friend, but you are actively compromised. Meta details efforts against spyware. The company's quarterly adversary threat report detailed actions taken against eight spyware firms based in Italy, Spain, and the United Arab Emirates. These firms created fake profiles to scrape user information, perform social engineering attacks, and attempt to access device information on victims. The report detailed advances these firms use, things like more realistic AI-generated photos and programmatic interaction behavior designed to look, well, more human. Meta responded with code updates to reduce its threat surface. It also included indicators of spyware activity and other recommendations for government regulators and other platform operators. All right, so spyware firms uh, using shell companies very much a... Um like a, a Tom Clancy novel, uh, this, this story reads. I'm trying to understand here why Meta's involved in this. Um, again, I don't proper research this, so I'm, this one's kind of confusing me a little bit. Like, yes, there are spyware firms out there that are selling access to whoever the highest bidder is, and they use shell companies and, you know, um, you know, uh, like blind trusts or whatever. Like, they use all these corporate techniques in order to obfuscate who is really getting the money and who is really using the things. Um, but I don't understand how Meta is involved. It's not like, it's not like they're using Facebook and Instagram. Um, 
uh, exclusively for their behaviors. Uh, it says Meta took down a network of Facebook and Instagram accounts with ties to the Spanish firm Veriston IT and uh, an exploit developer TrueLT intrusion companions. So, see, they use fake accounts for exploit development and testing, including sharing of malicious links. Um, okay, so I guess they were using Meta and Instagram in order to um, use as their initial delivery of weaponized links and weaponized malware. Then yes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I see, I see. Okay, so it sounds like this is less about the Tom Clancy of the um, of the threat actors setting up shell companies, and it's more about using Facebook and Meta um, to deliver malicious links and and malware with the intent that oh, this company is you know Nabisco's official Twitter account or Nabisco or Keebler Elves official Facebook account, so I can trust it. A little bit of social engineering with the intent of. Um, implicit trust because of who the account is um, in, in order to trick someone into installing malware, period, end of story. It says spyware in this instance, but it could be malware. It could be cyber criminals. It doesn't matter. Um, the origin of the attack is indifferent to the fact that they're weaponizing social media and exploiting uh, trust in a victim to, to fall for the uh, attack. Ubuntu package suggestion system open to exploits. Researchers at Aqua Nautilus discovered that the Linux distribution's command-not-found package suggestion system can be gamed to promote malicious packages. This system automatically suggests snap packages to install when a user enters in a command for an uninstalled piece of software. However, threat actors could easily publish malicious apps to the snap store to effectively typo-squat on the system. This is possible because developers often don't register their apps under common alias typos. Ubuntu does sandbox apps from the Snap Store that are not manually reviewed, though researchers say that they still share the same system kernel. The researchers estimate 26% of commands in the Snap Store can be exploited with this approach. Interesting. Okay, so I do love, I do love, um, <laughs> this is going to sound so bizarre. I do love threat actors. Um, again, if you know, if you've known me for a while, uh, you know what I mean, but if you're new, like um, Cass and uh, Z Zimmy, um, basically, I love the ingenuity. I love the you know creative thinking. I love the innovation that threat actors do. I don't I don't endorse it. I, I, like this isn't threatactoracademy.com, right? Which I, I'm slowly pushing, um, but I just love it. So what they're doing here is. If you try to uh, install a binary or you know an app, like say you're going to install Nmap on your Ubuntu instance, and you do like app get um, or yeah, I think Ubuntu's app get. So like app get Nmap, and it, and it's like yeah, like download perfect. But if I'm like, hey, listen, Jay and Michelle, you've got to check out um, MassScan, right? MassScan is a, a popular um, uh, like recon and map alternative kind of tool used by like bug bounty and web app people. Anyways, you got to download mass scan and, um, I don't expel it for Jay and Michelle and he does app get M A S S S A C A N. So like the word mass and then scan, maybe there's only two S's in mass scan, the real one. And he puts three S's. Well, it would say command not found. And then it might suggest other ones. Well, it sounds like what threat actors have discovered is that they can, create a piece of malware, name it like mass scan with like three S's, four S's, five S's, whatever. And um, 
just make it available. Now, again, this is a crime of opportunity. You can't, I mean, you could, but it would be hard. You're not really targeting an individual and knowing, like you're not delivering a precision strike. You're literally putting malware out in the ecosystem and some victim is going to stumble into it and accidentally um, choose the wrong one, right? It's like having, it's like sticking, um, it's like a, a basket of apples and one of them's got a worm in it. You don't know who's going to eat the, wor the, the apple with the worm in it, but someone's going to do it eventually. So it's a crime of opportunity, right? You don't know who you're going to hit. You don't know if it's a 14-year-old kid who's got two nickels to rub together or if it's a Fortune 5 big tech zuck doing an independent project like cracking on Python or something like that. You don't know who you're going to get. So threat actors are going to threat act. This is what it is. Um, be mindful. I, what I would say is, me personally, I don't download, I don't like randomly download binaries and stuff like that. Um, if I'm downloading uh, apps or binaries, I know uh, what I'm going for and I make sure that that's what I get. So just be mindful. This is definitely something to share, y'all, um, just from a practitioner perspective. This is something to share with your IT brethren, right? So if you subscribe to the newsletter, I don't know if you guys know this, but exclamation point newsletter <clears throat> in chat. Uh, Every Monday, we send out a newsletter. It just has value for all of you. Three pieces of actionable intel. There's nothing else to it. It's a really cool service that Simply Cyber does. And uh, this is definitely the IT one. Because guess what, Carl? Carl's not running Ubuntu for starters. Carl, our end user in accounting, not running Ubuntu. Secondly, Carl's definitely not downloading apps and binaries and stuff like that. So our IT counterparts, they typically are the ones to do that. Share this with them. Just make them aware of it. Plus, like it, it builds good political capital because you're delivering some value to them without uh, asking them for something. Romance chatbots hoover up personal data. Mozilla's Privacy Not Found project published a report on data usage by 11 AI-powered romance chatbots. Overall, it found 10 of the bots reserved the right to sell or share user data for ads, with over half not allowing users to delete data afterwards. For context, these bots often encourage users to share secrets and ask for photos and voice recordings. Overall, the bots used an average of 2,663 trackers per minute, with the romantic AI bot skewing that average with over 24,000 trackers per minute. Additionally, only one app met Mozilla's minimum security standards. All right, here we go. Um, <laughs> Shall we play a game? All right, there we go. So um, first of all, this is unfortunate, but reality. Here is the deal, okay? First of all, romance scams are rampant. They especially are rampant with elderly population. This is This is like a perfect storm, okay? Uh, AI, definitely uh, generative AI can, can talk, it can appear human, it, it can process um, human inputs, right? So it doesn't, you don't have to explicitly have the right keywords in order for it to work. <clears throat> now, you, you tell it, um, you, you know, your girlfriend, and then boom, you're off and running. So th there's already technology, like, like, first of all, like, let's talk about what is real and then talk about how it's being weaponized. There is already technology out there for AI to create a friend, okay? Um, let me show you this really quickly. Um, uh, what is this? Bot for elderly fighting loneliness. I watched a special on this. And yeah, this thing right here. Okay, can we get a picture of it? 
No, I don't want this woman. I want to see a picture. This thing. Okay, this thing right here, all right? It's like a little it's like a little, you know, bedside thing. You stick your phone in it. it it's got a little camera. It doesn't speak to you. It speaks through the phone, but basically this technology is like an AI chatbot that sits on your desk and it basically helps old people or older people fight loneliness because they go to a retirement home or something their their kids are too busy for them their grandkids only want to talk to them when the uh, Christmas cards come in right so they're lonely this thing it's a friend it reminds you to take your medicine it asks you how your day is it cares about you way to go okay so this is a real thing now there's also instances in I think it's Japan where it's quite popular um, again not throwing shade at Japan but um you know they're really into this um virtual girlfriend thing okay again i'm just this is from 2015 um here's a guy <laughs> here's a guy with his uh virtual girlfriend let me see if i can find some pictures um uh, do 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 again i'm just trying to point out the reality here look at this guy this guy's having a moment sorry didn't mean to interrupt you bro uh, this guy's on a date with his virtual girlfriend. Okay, so I'm not making this up. This is a real thing in our society, okay? So now that we understand the use cases and how it really is being done, surprise, surprise, threat actors are abusing it. So threat actors are now using this norm, if you will, and exploiting it to get that AI girlfriend. The goal of the AI girlfriend is not to deliver companionship to the victim, but really to basically data mine the hell, sorry, Kennedy, data mine the hell out of um, the victim to get all sorts of uh, information. Also, I wanna point out, again, romance scams are rampant. If I'm a threat actor, right now, in order to execute a romance scam, I have to be on the other end of the keyboard being a human, talking to my victim about how much I love them, about how I need them to send me $4,000 so I can fly to them. Guess what? If I can automate that to an AI girlfriend to say, hey, listen, your goal as an AI girlfriend is to pretend to fall in love with this victim and get them to deliver as much information on them as you possibly can and get them to give me as much money as possible, go that's what's going to happen. I'm just coming up with this on the fly because they're saying it's a data harvesting horror show. That's the risk here. But in my opinion, Threat Actor Academy, bro, if you can automate romance scams, then it's it's wipe your hands clean. You can scale the hell out of that. You could, you could be attacking hundreds of victims at the same time because you're no longer bottlenecked by having you to physically type on the keyboard. That's a scary proposition. I wish I hadn't even thought of that. Oh, gross. All right, let's keep going. The Verizon DBIR found that about half of all breaches involved legitimate credentials. It's a huge attack surface that- All right, I think that's it for the stories. Let's, let's jump over here really quickly. All right, so that's going to do it for today's show. Quick reminder, everybody, later today at 1 p.m. Eastern time, Simply Cyber Live, it's our weekly show at 4.30 where we spend an hour with community- uh, members who share their expertise. Uh, Chase Cunningham's coming on, aka Dr. Zero Trust. Um, former military, works around the Beltway up in uh, DC. Uh, great guy, great guy, smart guy. And um, he's going to come on. We're going to have a fireside chat, which just basically means it's high fives and hangouts. I hope you can join us. 
Uh, today, I'm, I'm really making a concerted effort to consistently deliver every Thursday. Uh, if you guys haven't noticed, sometimes I used to do it. Sometimes I would skip. I'm, I'm hell-bent on trying to deliver every single Thursday. And uh, this is part of that series. So I hope you can come hang out. It's always about good times. <laughs> yeah, all about good times. All right, guys. Um, if you were here just for the show, thank you so very much. We've got Jaw Jacking coming up in a hot minute with my good friend DJ Bisek making his maiden voyage into the Simply Cyber Jaw Jacking ecosystem. Let's go ahead and get him on. Let me let me pull my music down a little bit. Let me switch my screen. Remember, hit that like button on your way out. It helps the YouTube algorithm find other people. Give me a second while I do this. Boom. All right. All right. So I'm super pumped, super excited, guys. If you're ready for some jaw jacking, if you were here just for the news, peace out. We'll see you later, hopefully for 4.30. Otherwise, every morning at 8 a.m. Eastern time. But we have a segment called Jaw Jacking where we go through and do AMA and hang out. And my man BSEC is in the house. Hey, what's hey, up? Hey. Good to see you. Let's, uh, how's the audio? Let's get some uh, some uh, crispy audio. We should be good, right? Yep, yep. I think I got everything working. Yes, we do have everything working. And hey, just so everybody in the community knows two things. One, this right here is DJ BSEC. He is excellent, um, Good, a good personal friend and just excellent at... Um, cybersecurity, IT, and uh, audio. He, when I talk about the audio files in the mod chat that don't like it when I touch the mixing board, um, here's one of them right here. So be careful, okay? <laughs> all right, I'll leave it. I'll leave it to you all. Um, uh, ben, any anything you're planning on jumping into, or is it going to just be straight hot AMA? Hey, first day, just AMA. Just let's let's run with it. All right, guys, be good. Uh, I'll see you all today at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. Thanks so much. And until next time, stay secure. All right, everybody, I took over. Let's have, a, let's have about 30 minutes of some fun. Let's see uh, what we got going on today. Throw up those questions and uh, we'll see, see what we have. Let me flip my uh, screen over here. Maybe get a little uh, music going on. Huh. Oh, what a day. What a day. There was a lot in the news this morning. Oh, my audio is really low. Is that better? Let me know. Good, good low. I don't think there's anything on here. I've got mods telling me the, the voice is low. It's good enough. Everybody can hear. All right. Sound is a little boomy. Well, I can always drop that down. Maybe it's just that I've got that very white voice. Okay. We got a question. Anything coming in? <clears throat> I don't have, yeah, I don't have the music turned up a lot. Maybe you can hear that now. All right, let's throw this out. AMA, anybody got questions we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about, uh, you know, one of the stories that did not pop in here 
was interestingly enough there is a story about uh exchange i thought that was going to be covered this morning but apparently it's not let's let me jump over and, and pull that up Familiar with RHCSA. What is RHCSA? I'm not familiar with that acronym. All right, here it is. Uh, exchange flow eight hours ago. But this is one that I saw come up and I'm surprised it didn't come up in today's news. All right, Carrie, what do you got? Uh, I have a question. If I tried to get some experience in the cloud with Elastic EC2, what is some good projects to try? Oh. To get good with Elastic, I mean, it'd be, it'd be good to go build out your own uh, I would go build out my own my own little stack so it's got uh elastic in it um and some other technologies in there to get that experience with ec2 what is it you're trying to do with ec2 let me know let me know carrie what is it you're actually trying to do with ec2 space tacos says uh what do you do I don't know what your job is, only that you're a spectator at it. I'm not a spectator at my job, that's for sure. Um, that being said, uh, so I'll give you everybody a little little quick background. I have been in IT for close to 26 years. Um, most of my experience has been pushed into the networking and building out networks, engineering networks to start off with everything. And then after that, uh, in the last, I would say last five years, there's been a lot of push towards cybersecurity, so I've been doing a lot of the cybersecurity for the company that I work for. Um, with with my job, it's built. I started out uh, as help desk about 26 years ago. We always talk about starting in the industry. Help desk is, of course, a great way to start in the industry um, to get your feet wet, to understand what's going on, to understand users, to understand networks, to understand how companies work when it comes to IT. And then on top of that, um, you grow from there, right? So you'll be help desk. You might be a tier one, tier two, tier three, depending on your experience. And that allows you at that point to um, find your niche. Are you good with servers? Are you good with networking? Do you troubleshoot better with users? Are you more of a, a customer service type of person? Are you more of a technical person? So getting into the help desk is a great way to start and it's a great way to to take your career and move it fast, move move up faster. Um, so what I would say is within moving in or, or uh, jumping into the industry, a, a great way to start is the help desk. Now, I talked about this last night. I was in the... Uh, the study group, I popped in the study group and they were talking about jumping into cyber. And I was explaining to them a lot of the times people come into this industry 
and they see that it is a entry level position and entry level into cyber is not necessarily entry level because you have to know all of the underlying technologies. You got to under understand what's going on. Um, you got to understand users. There's a lot to it. So when it comes to um, entry level, entry level for cyber is more like having one to two, maybe three years of entry level of, of IT. So that, that would be uh, my take on it. For me, myself, like I said, I've been in the industry working uh, for 26 years. Um, started off at help desk, worked in oil and gas. Um, and now, of course, I'm working in a uh, transportation role. All right, what else have we got? Uh, how to write resumes faster for each job. So Chris, Christopher, what I would say for, for uh, writing resumes faster, create your resume first. So create just a, a blanket resume and then go in and take that resume, make copies of it, and then tailor those resumes for the specific jobs that you want. And that way you have a, you, you've got a folder of all your resumes. So if you're looking for a GRC role, you have your GRC resume. If you're looking for a pen testing role, you've got your pen testing resume. That way they're already lined up. Spend a couple hours, make sure that the, the resume fits the job. And then all you're doing is tweaking at that point. Phil Stafford, are you are you asking if I'm a Red Hat Sys admin? I am not a Red Hat Sys admin. I am, for lack of a better term, you could I would say I was a network engineer turned cybersecurity czar ish. I don't I don't know what the what a title would be for it. <laughs> Eric Taylor's been in the in the background throwing out stuff. Let's see what else we got. Uh, oh, Alpha Sierra. I'm the other way. I'm opposite of what Jerry says. So he said, is it GIF or GIF? And I am 100% GIF. Uh, Second Chance Nomad. I think I kind of covered that just a second ago, but... Uh, Second Chance Nomad's asking if I can cover my career path. And like I said, my career path, I started out um, very young, right out of high school into into help desk from from there. Um, and when I say help desk, this was a large company that um, did help desk for a whole bunch of different companies. So they did help desk for financial services. They did help desk for oil and gas. They did help desk for uh pharmaceutical companies just depending on where you were at depends on what help desk you were on um we even had a, a help desk for cisco so there's a help desk that people would call in to do just cisco stuff uh networking and so forth um but yeah help desk uh worked my way up through those help desks progressively and then left there and and moved on working in uh like i said oil and gas and in other industries Let's see what else do we got in here. Uh, Eric Taylor's asking what Web three is, and he wants me to explain it. So his three year old, or to his three year old brain, Web three to me is just a a dumpster fire. <laughs> That's my thoughts of Web three right now. Web three is all blockchain. We're talking NFTs. Um, 
it's not something you can explain to your little three-year-old brain let's see if you would if you'd like to practice with a setup network cisco or older devices switches firewalls um have some similarity to the new one if you'd like to practice with a setup network from net from cisco or older devices not sure what seba is saying have some similarities in the, if you're saying if you like take old cisco switches servers or, or switches uh routers uh waps if you're saying if you have old ones working with those is it still today's technology the underlying technology itself is still going to be there you're still going to have uh vlans you're still going to have different types of routing protocols so it doesn't matter that the tech that the switch is 10 years old for the most part what you're doing is when you move from that switch that's 10 years old say like a 2960 or a 2950 up to like a 3850 or something like that as a as a uh, switch in, in itself the underlying core of the software and the firmware is is still the same um you're, what you're looking at is you're looking at uh the bandwidth in the back so you're now getting 10 gig on switches versus uh 10 100 or something along those lines what i would suggest instead of going out and buying a whole bunch of equipment is look at uh downloading gns3 and run that on your computer because you can get uh you can set all that stuff you've also got packet tracer and other things that that cisco has packet tracer itself um is a great way to start with it it's very rudimentary um but it does give you the ability to watch stuff go over the wire um it gives you the animation so it shows you say uh, uh, a mail packet going from the mail server through the line to the other one and it gives you that animation of it actually on the on the path or on the wire and then how it comes back so if if you don't have your routing in correctly then it'll show that it stops here and never went back and you can look at the side where it stopped at um packet tracer is great to start with but then you want to move to gns3 because gns3 actually has the straight up firmware and software that are in the switches and routers that's where i'd go with that let's see what else do we got alex uh just passed my sec plus Oops, just passed a sec plus huh we've got jerry stuff Let's see. I've got so many. Jerry's got a lot of sounds and I've got a, a massive board of sounds. So for a passing sec plus, we'll just throw out Ric Flair. I don't know if y'all even heard that. There we go. Uh, so I just passed my sec plus and I was wondering if I should get the IC2CC cert as well, since I have no idea how to break into the industry and have no prior experience. This was a question that we actually talked about last night within uh, the study uh, study group. When it comes to certification, certifications are great. Getting a certification is great. That's proving to yourself that you have that knowledge. Um, but don't just run out there and grab certifications. If if you were to come as a hiring manager, if you were to come in and I see you've got CC, I see you've got SEC plus, the net plus, and A plus. And you've done all this like within six months what it shows is that you're you're eager you want to get out there but you really have no idea where the career path is going or what you actually want to do you're just trying to break in which is great but you have no working knowledge and that's where it comes up 
in in a um, in an interview. It's great that you understand the theory. It's under, it's great that you understand what's in the books, but can you actually do it? So what I would say, and this is what I, what I was talking to everybody last night, is go out, create some labs um, for you know for Sec Plus. Go make write ups, um, do stuff, and add it to GitHub so you have a repo that when you go into that job interview or when you send that resume in. I now see that you have Sec Plus, and then it has a reference of, hey, here's all the projects that I've been working on and what I've done to prove that I that I understand the concepts and understand how this how it would work daily. That that's where I'd go with it. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say you need to go get CC, but CC right now is free. What I would do is I would go over and maybe get uh, just do all of the work for it and not necessarily go grab the uh, certifications. Switch over here. Oh, all right, what is it? Good morning, I have 18 years of help desk. Oh, that's a lot of, that's a lot of help desk. Um, but having trouble to get into cyber as a SOC analyst, do you have any suggestions? So, um, Cybertron, it's kind of the, uh, kind of the same answer that I just gave Alex. Um, Go, go have a repo that shows that you, you're capable of doing it. I don't know if where you're at, you actually have a sock or if you're actually just trying to get into a, a sock somewhere else. Um, what I would say is if you've got that security team already there, or you, you have people at the, uh, at your place of work that are in a security group, go talk to them, see when they have, um, see when they have an opening, let them know that you're interested. That's the best way to, especially if you're already in a company that has a, a security group. Like Jerry always says, go bring in some donuts and go go talk it up. Go to the water cooler, talk to these guys. In the industry, and that's not just security industry, but in the IT industry in the in the field, we've got a lot of introverts. And we need to be a little bit more extrovert and actually talk to people and, and put ourselves out there. All right, what else have we got? Oh, casually Joseph is going to, he's, he's going to try and describe a uh, web three to everybody by saying it's decentralizing everything, tacking everything on the blockchain and getting away from the core. It's just a buzzword. I'd agree. That's basically what it is. All right. What do we got? CJ, uh, can you break down the concepts of VLANs and network segmentation? Good Lord. Not in uh, the amount of jaw jacking time we have, but I'll, I'll try real quick. So when it comes to uh, VLANs and network segmentation, depending on what you're doing and depending on uh, how you want the company structured or how the CIO or the CISO wants the company structured, um, you're going to have a, a network, a virtual network for your computers. You might have a virtual network for your guests that don't talk, that don't touch. They're all, they all run through the same router but you put in rules and regulations within the router itself or within a firewall that don't allow those, those networks to touch. Then you may have a wireless network and each one of those individual segmentations or VLANs runs its own DHCP, it's all by itself. And now through the router or through the firewall rules, you can allow what's talking to what. So for instance, say you're in a, a big financial corporation and in that finance corporation, you want to make sure that everybody that works with money 
that nobody has access unless you're actually in that uh in that role if unless you're in the accounting group that you actually have the ability to get to the accounting you don't need somebody over in engineering looking at the accounting files or being able to look at a, an accounting computer so you segment that off and you block that segmentation from the accounting group and the engineering group now the accounting group may still be able to uh look at other groups but the segmentation allows only the accounting group to look at these other groups and engineering gets to see engineering and maybe customer service and others they they can interact um it's big when it comes to like hr and confidential stuff you want to make sure that you segmentate uh confidential stuff from hr so everybody else within the company can't get to it maybe the uh the C-suite or the upper management needs to be able to access some of that stuff. But when it comes to the the rest of the company, they don't. So you you use that and you use networking uh, with IP segmentation, dropping stuff off. So you can have a segment of IPs like a, a dot or a slash 28 or a slash 29 or a 24 or a 23. There's a, it goes into a whole bunch, but that that's basically what it's used for is to segment and to make sure that certain things within the organization can talk to each other or cannot talk to each other. All right, what else do we got? Uh, did you need all of the networking experience you require before making the move to cybersecurity or would the So, uh, Anthony Valenzuela. No, I don't, I, I don't need. So I myself, uh, certified CCMP. So I've got, uh, Cisco networking. I've, I've got all certification you can actually see them back here on the wall um all these certifications for uh cisco wireless cisco security cisco uh voice uh switching and routing but then i went one step further and got ccmp i did not go for ccie um but what you don't need to understand in cybersecurity that you have as asn numbers or as numbers that allow these two quote unquote clouds to connect you don't need to know all of that. Um, and it all, it, it, it all depends on what you're actually doing within the cybersecurity realm. If that's what you're, if you're uh, doing stuff for networking, then maybe you do need to do that. If you're gonna be like a network security architect, that might be something you need to know. But for most people, you're gonna need to know the basics. You need to understand how networks work. That's main, mainly it. Uh, Alan Escobar, GNS3, you do not need Cisco hardware. GNS3 is virtual. Um, in fact, let me see if I can pull this up. So let's see if we can look at a picture of this. Uh, GNS3 right here. We're about 8.15. Uh, we are running the, the Simply Cyber Daily Threat Briefing jaw in time. We got about 15 minutes left. Let me run through this real quick. So you can go, this one's on Sorge Force um, or Sorge Forge. Basically, GNS3 has the ability to virtually create a whole bunch of routers, a whole bunch of switches, connect them, and use the actual underlying um, 
firmware and software that are on those switches. So for instance, instead of physically having a 2950 or 2960 or a 3850, all you're using is it's virtual. So that, that's that's what it is. Um, so not only are we doing gel jack and everybody don't forget that uh, tonight, uh, seven o'clock Eastern, I believe uh, we've got uh, Jesse Johnson and Slay Security is uh, is running. Let's see, uh, Genus 3, going through all these, Alex. What's your feeling about using PFSense for labs? PFSense is great. Um, use PFSense. I used PFSense at home for a while. Um, I wouldn't just use PFSense as a lab. I would create a PFSense uh, uh, box and use it as your home uh, uh, firewall. So you really understand it. Um, see if I can get a good picture. I wanted to pull up a good picture of this. So it actually shows it. Maybe I can just zoom it in. It's not going to let me. Um, so basically I was trying to get on here. You can kind of see, maybe it's not big enough, but you can see on here, uh, you've got, maybe I can do, uh, the actual routers themselves and it shows you what the uh, what DHCP is being used what IP addresses are being used all the way through so at, at the top here you, it looks like you've got a, a, a layer 3 switch and a layer 3 switch over here you've got a core router going out to the cloud so GNS3 is wonderful for labs and you don't need any equipment and if y'all are trying to do it and you're having issues then shoot me a message in uh, discord and I will help you out we'll get you Get you squared away. Oh, uh, what else? Let's see. Uh, how can I maximize ROI by implementing AI and zero trust architecture? Good Lord, Josh, come on. Um, that's a loaded question because you really need to know what it is that you're going to be using. Um, with zero trust architecture, you could definitely or maximize ROI by not trusting everybody and not trusting your equipment to just randomly click on stuff that could bring down your business. That's maximizing ROI 100%. Uh, let's see. Just got on as a beginner. What is a good lab to start out with that Don, I'm going to say, uh, you really need to know where you want to go. So if you're going to be on the red side, then it's going to be something dealing with a, a red team lab. If you're going to be on the blue side, then it's going to be something dealing with a blue blue team lab. Um, a great resource as always is a try hack me. There are a whole bunch of different uh, websites out there relating just to red or blue sides. Um, so yeah. Oh, I think I think Jesse wants me to. Uh, to let everybody know that he wants he wants to make sure that you know that I'm going to be on tonight on Slay Plus to help him and we're going to talk about real world incidents uh, around the Security Plus. Let's see where are we at. We got about ten minutes left. Any more big ones? Let's see. I see Marcus Siler in here and PF Sense. Don, what I would I would say where you're you're saying please give me some good starting labs. 
I can't give you a good lab to start with without really knowing what you're trying to do. Um, the best place to go to get labs and to get knowledge, in my opinion, is to go to TryHackMe. There's a whole bunch of free stuff um, and you can grab all kinds of different labs depending on whether it's a blue team or a red team or what it is you're working with. That's a great start. Um, outside of that and saying, hey, what's the best lab for me to do? There's not a best lab. It just depends on what is what it is that you're trying to do and what you want to do. There you go. Jesse just dropped something in chat. Free labs. There's 101 labs. You can go there. But without knowing what it is you're trying to get into, it's hard to say, go, go do this lab. All right. What's Chris got? Any advice on submitting to speak at a CyberCon? About to submit my second one but haven't heard back yet from the first I've submitted to. Uh, it just depends on what con. Um, if it's a, a well-established con, they may be looking at it and going, hey, um, they may be looking you up and seeing how much uh, experience you have and, and doing it that way. Um, when you submitted your stuff to the con did you actually tell them what it was all about and actually give a full submission or is it more like hey i, I just want to talk about xyz and then you give your submission um i would don't get discouraged by not hearing back that's a that's going to happen a lot in this industry a lot of us are going crazy um we're busy and we don't always reach out or, or reply instantly um just submit. I mean, if you don't hear back from the first one, maybe the second one's going to reply back and be like, yeah, jump in. Let's, let's do it. Maybe the, maybe the first two don't, but number three does. It's, um, I don't want to say it's a crapshoot, but there are a lot of people out there that are trying to break into the industry and they're using those conferences to give themselves that name. All right. What else do we got? Uh, Space Tacos, what is your favorite thing about networking and your favorite thing about cybersecurity? Oh, networking. You know what? I am one that likes to see something happen right then and there. So uh, as it relates to networking, if you push the wrong button, if you do the wrong configuration, you're going to definitely know right then and there if it worked or not. It's going to either take something down or you're going to start working. So that's one of my... Uh, I would say that's probably my biggest thing with the uh, with uh, networking cybersecurity. My favorite thing about cybersecurity or favorite thing with it. I don't really have a favorite. Um, I'm kind of all over the place with it. I deal with everything um, being on the IT side with the cyber uh, kind of mixed into it. Um, I do love to do. I love to go threat hunting within my systems, um, finding out what's going on, looking at uh, what my users are downloading, understanding, trying to understand what they're doing to further the uh, further any investigation or further any threat hunt uh, within the system. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, I, I love to go threat hunting and love to see what's actually happening on the back end. I'm, I'm one that wants to know what's going on. And and Jerry, of course, is saying that he's got like he always does. He's got videos for everything. He says he's got he's got videos for uh for all the blue team and red team labs and resources. So don't forget to go jump on uh into Jerry's channel 
and go through all the videos you can you can see within there um oh yeah did you put that one in chat jesse we've got uh jerry put out how to build the sim he just put that one out a little while ago oh oh man jerry that is a fantastic question and it also kind of rolls into what uh, they're talking about over at slay security right now so jerry asks what are your experiences with educating businesses and business execs on BEC? You want to get, we'll do real world stories. Come to Slay Security, we'll talk about real world stories um, tonight, but I'll, because the stories themselves are really long. Um, but what I'll say experience wise, it is extremely, and I say extremely hard to educate users. That's why users are the number one um, vector for threat actors. When it comes to BEC, phishing, um, phishing and BEC are the same thing. Um, just different, different acronyms or different ways to say it. But when it comes to educating your users, I like myself to create my own videos that are relating to the company that I work for. So I like going and like I just said before, threat hunting. So I'll go through emails and go threat hunt emails and look for um, within the quarantines or, or what's in there of phishing messages or spam messages. And I will pull those out and use those as examples within videos. And the reason I like to make my own is we all have seen those videos of Bob and Sally, the little cartoon that they're walking back and forth of setting up uh, or getting an email and they're talking to each other. Oh, did you just get this email from so-and-so? Yeah, I did. Nobody pays attention to those. They run six or seven minutes long. They're real quick. They do a great, ex a great explanation of what the stuff is. However, that's all it is. And most of the users don't care about that. They just run through it. And guess what? Now they've, they've hit that two X or three X on, on the video. It flies through. And then it says that they've completed what I like to do is I create my own. I've got a, an LMS system that we use, put my own in there. We've got settings within there where it stops in the middle of the video, makes people put in uh, answers to questions that I'm asking about what's going on. In fact, um, we had, uh, I, I created a video to show using any, any dot run and show how if a user were to have clicked on a specific email and what site it went to, how it was a phishing site that actually grabbed grabbed credentials, grabbed tokens, and grabbed uh, grabbed username, password, and tokens, and would at that point basically have taken over that user's account. Um, so I like to show that because then it gives the real world perspective of what's going on within the company, and the users see that. When you're just throwing out the the random videos, um, which are great if you if it's just content wise. Um, but if you're just throwing those videos out, a lot of people just run right through them and they don't see the impact on the actual company itself. Let's see. We got about three minutes left. Um, drop that in. All right. Uh, fame or shotguns. What a name. Would Genus 3 be helpful to learn how to create a physical home network for segmentation using an old Cisco ASA and two old switches? Any other suggestions if... GNS3 is great for all of that. Um, there are ways to get ASA 
into into gns3 there are ways to get juniper stuff there's ways to get cisco stuff there's ways to get uh uh brocade or broadcom i think it's brocade used to be another name or it's a new name now um but you can pull anything into there all you need is the firmware to grab and you can get that all over the place all right jerry go teach them we got a couple minutes left here um we are at the end coming to the end of the uh daily cyber threat briefing with jawjacking what do we got here which lms system are you currently using lara flores um it's just an internal one that we've got and built take care brocade not brocade brocade uh let's see There's a, I believe they've got a new name. I believe they were bought out by somebody. We got Broadcom, Brocade. Yeah, there's a whole bunch. Oh. Uh, there you go. I think Jesse dropped the, uh, the lab. Dropped in the link for the labs in there. We are coming uh, to the end of it. This is great. First time. Just kind of get my feet wet with this. Um, next time, what we will do is I'll have, as Jerry's going through the stories on the uh, for today or on the day that I'm coming in, I'll grab some that are not in there. We can kind of go through those. Um, but today, what I wanted to do is just kind of get my feet wet, see how fast we're going to be moving through this, and make sure that we can grab everything that we need to so now we're uh we're at the 8 30 mark i'm gonna go ahead and uh drop off and i will see everybody what's today thursday so we will see everybody tomorrow uh for the daily threat briefing but don't forget we've got jerry at 4 30 my time 3 30 3 30 my time 4 30 jerry's time 4 30 eastern time um stream tonight and then after that stream don't forget we still have jesse uh johnson over at slay security plus with his stream going through all of uh security plus and the uh 701 so with all of that said until next time i will see you guys everybody have a great day and i'm out